재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Do you know what time it is? 그립방 아빠의 안타까운 웃음이 알려지면서 Prime time. It's prime time. Uh, actually, it was not so difficult to predict that the uh, Doha meeting in April would not reach an agreement to freeze their oil output. Because it's well known that Saudi Arabia does not like Iran because of the long-term religious feud between Sunni and uh, Shia Muslim. Uh, actually, they don't like each other. And thus does not like to freeze their oil output unless Iran would follow suit. I- Iran, <clears throat> on the other hand, has declared several times that they have no intention to freeze or reduce their oil production at all. They want to produce oil as much or as fast as they can. <clears throat> they have suffered a lot from the economic embargo for a long time because of their nuclear program, which invited an international sanction <clears throat> several years ago. And right now, they are actually freed from January from the economic embargo and they try to res- resume their oil production and exporting to the pre-sanction period level, up to 4 million barrels per day. <clears throat> well, uh, even before the meeting was started, there had been arguments and predictions among experts that uh, any deal to freeze the output will not affect the world depressed oil price much. These days, there are the bigger factors disrupting the global oil supply chain. Okay, so certainly a lot of factors at play here, Professor Young. Um, Professor Kim pointed out this natural rivalry, uh, enmity, even going back from, I guess, Sunni versus Shia, sects of Islam, to even uh, modern-day sort of uh, um, conflicts going on between these two major powers in the region, Saudi Arabia and Iran. Iran just coming out of the sanctions regime would like to sell as much as they can. Saudi Arabia, of course, they've got their own problems right now severely, and um, I suppose they had this long-term strategy in place to kill off all the uh, uh, alternative methods that the U.S. and other com- uh, countries were pursuing. Ultimately, is it just boiling down to that, or are there some other nuances involved? Okay, well, I think there's several nuances involved here. Uh, first of all, 
if we look at the history of sort of the OPEC uh, oil producers cartel, uh, it's traditionally been very hard to actually maintain the cartel. Uh, uh, they, uh, each cartel player, even if they agree to reduce their output, always has an incentive to increase their output because, well, if other countries reduce their output to maintain a higher price, and if you can undercut them by even a little, uh, yeah, and they can get a really big share of the market share and higher profits. So traditionally, it's been Saudi Arabia which has been sort of adjusting on the margins to make sure that the price is maintained. And I think Saudi Arabia is basically saying we're getting tired of this. Uh, so if you're not going to uh, main, if you're not going to at least try to maintain some kind of an order, we're not going to either. We're not. We're no longer going to be sort of the uh, man who's taking care of all the children in the house. So I think it's giving them partially. It's giving them a warning, not just Iran, mm. but all the other players that uh, well. Uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll go at this as long as it takes, and we can last more than you can because Saudi Arabia has the lowest uh, production price of all the uh, Middle Eastern uh, producer countries, and they also have – they're in trouble now, but relatively less than most of the other countries. They have a relatively good fiscal uh, position, and they've actually been preparing for this for a few years. So even though they're in trouble now, they're in a lot less trouble than all the other countries. Basically doubling down, they're, they're saying, look, if it's going to come down to war of attrition, we, we can last we, longer. We, we're going to be able to outlast yeah. you. And so Iran, on the other hand, saying, look, we're just sort of getting back into the global markets. And uh, we want to also have a name, not just geopolitical rivalry with Saudi Arabia in that region, but also the fact that we need a bigger say. Whereas before, perhaps Saudi Arabia said, well, I mean, nobody really buys your oil anyway, Tehran. Yeah, uh, but also I've, I've actually been very surprised because they wanted to maintain the level that was produced in January. That was the uh, goal of the meeting. And Everybody pretty much knew that Iran would not accept because January is just when the uh, sanctions were lifted. So uh, Saudi Arabia was basically telling uh, Iran that you're going to stay as if you're in a sanction. And I, I, I don't know why that meeting mm. took place. And there's an interesting domestic conflict which uh, may seem to uh, be taking place here, which is that the oil minister, who's one of the uh, older people in the uh, government oil guard, said that some kind of compromise may be possible, and that's why they had this meeting in the first place. But the uh, prince, who's in his, I think, 20s or uh, early 30s, uh, basically vetoed that. So there's a lot of things going on domestically, apparently, as well. Very complicated. Uh, Professor Kim, how has uh, Iran's re-entry into the oil market affected the global oil prices? Well, we have to take a look at uh, Iran's re-entry into the oil market, uh, actually in that field, from the short-term uh, perspective, also in the long-term perspective. Uh, when we take a look at the short-term perspective, there are two, uh, uh, two uh, views. One is the psychological aspects. Actually, in the fundamental aspects, Actually, that their re-entry will not affect much. Why? Because the <clears throat> there are three sources of uh, oil from Iran right now. A uh, big portion of the uh, re-entry from the Iran will come from the floating vessels. They are, they stored a lot in the floating vessels. And secondly, uh, <clears throat> probably they have to utilize their uh, their um, current uh, facility quite uh, quite old. And also, they have to modify or destructure the old, old, old uh, facilities, which will take a long time to uh, modify or 
they have, they have to bring in uh, foreign investments. It'll take a long time. But so altogether, when you look at the uh, statistics, uh, altogether, the marginally, they can increase. I mean, less than one million barrels. I mean, in the, in the 1970s, they, they used to produce uh, more than six, billion, uh, six million uh, barrels per day. But pre a sanction period, they reached uh, around the four, uh, four million barrels per day. But right now, they reached the three millions. But uh, if they, even though they tried their best, uh, probably they can mm. increase less than one million uh, barrels per day. So uh, fundamentally, it will affect much. But, but psychologically, I mean, the, there is <clears throat> one million barrel surplus in sup global uh, supply and demand. That what just one million surplus uh, will push the uh, have pushed the oil price a lot mm. drastically. So psychologically, if they keep increasing their output, they may affect. But uh, fundamentally, okay. I mean, it's less than one million uh, barrels per day, uh, so they okay. will affect much. Uh, we're going to have to take a short break. Uh, we're going to be back and discuss uh, this recent meeting in Doha between these major oil-producing nations. Uh, no agreement met yet. A lot of people wondering, are these global oil prices going to recover? Uh, it's going against conventional wisdom where uh, oil importing nations like Korea, although enjoying the low, low oil prices, have had some other economic side effects because of that. So we're going to be talking about some of those spillover effects as well. Give us your thoughts. Text us at pound 1013 for 51. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Primetime.